Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in Lesseur, Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Good morning, Word of Life Church. Pastor Jay here, and uh, it's a real privilege to just get together with you. And a big, huge thanks to everybody for your prayers and your patience as we uh, take a take a one week break from uh, meeting on site, and we're just meeting online uh, this week following the uh, COVID exposure, and just giving everybody a chance to uh, get their get their COVID tests and um, and and quarantine and all that good stuff. And uh, Lord willing, we're going to be back on site and online next Sunday. Um, but between you know then and now, we've got some we got some worshiping to do. We still want to share with you a message from Jonah, and we've got a couple of message we've got a couple of announcements for you before we uh, dig into Jonah. We have been really excited to to launch the new Word of Life podcast. That's right. You can find us on all your favorite podcast uh, platforms, and super super excited to, to do this. I've been wanting to do it for a really long time. Every single message from uh, 2020 is available on our Word of Life podcast. Just hop onto Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Google Podcasts, and you can find find us there. Also excited that December is Word of Life's month to volunteer with the Lesur Fruit Shelf. If you're looking for an opportunity to, to give and to serve your lo- local community, Lesur Food Shelf is a great opportunity to do that. Uh, we get to directly impact the lives of people within our community uh, just by giving them food. And so if you're looking for an opportunity, you can either hop onto the Church Center app and uh, and register for the times that you want to volunteer there, or you can um, go to the email that was sent out, the, uh, the weekly newsletter. There's a click, uh, just click the link to volunteer there, or you can go onto our website, or if and that doesn't work out, uh, contact Sue in our church office. And of course, you can always find us online at wordoflifemn.com and uh, you can get some more information there too. Coming up is uh, our Thanksgiving service. We're hoping and praying we're going to be back um, on site and online for our Thanksgiving service. Our Thanksgiving service is going to be on Tuesday, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, which is Tuesday, November 24th at 7 p.m. Hope we can see you there. And then on Sunday, November 20th, Second, right after our 10 a.m. worship service, so right about uh, 11 o'clock Sunday, November 22nd, is our Christmas decorating party. Yes, we are decorating for Christmas before Thanksgiving. That's okay. We're gonna have a great time. We really want to put all the all, all the warmth and uh, and everything into our worship center as we gather for our Advent services, and we're really looking forward to that. That is all of our announcements for today, and uh, so let's dig into some worship. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 103, starting in verse 8, reading in Jesus' name. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. 
He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. That is how God thinks about you and about me. His character is, is loving kindness and compassionate. And he wants nothing more than to forgive us of our sins and trespasses and remove them as far away as the east is from the west. That's how God thinks about you. And that's how much he loves you. This morning, as we come before God's word and hear a message from him, I want you to know you are loved. You're loved by God. You're loved by us. And uh, we are blessed to get an opportunity to share with you God's desire uh, to forgive his people. And guess what? We're all his people. We're all his people. It's in, it's in God's name that we come before him to worship. Let's worship the Lord together. Lord God and Heavenly Father, thank you for watching over your people. Uh, thank you for um, and being with us even through these trying times. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling with uh, you know, just the impact of COVID, whether it is um, having COVID itself or, or, or the, just the trials of testing or the fear of the unknown, whether it is some of the trials of just being stuck in the house or, or isolated from other friends and family, um, or even, Lord, just like holiday plans being altered. Um, the effects of COVID are hitting a lot of people and are hitting uh, each of us differently. And so we ask you, Lord God, to draw near to your people. We're all your people. Remind us, Lord, even in these uncertain times, that one thing never changes. You and your love for us and your desire to forgive us. Lord, we, uh, we pray that you would be with those who are struggling right now and that even as we come before you in worship, while we're scattered all over the place in different homes, that you will remind us that we're united in you and what you have done for us. In your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, in whose name we pray, amen. All right, let's dig into uh, chapter three of Jonah. If you've been hanging out with us for the last couple of weeks, you know that we have been walking through the book of Jonah and we find ourselves in chapter three. Um, little recap to just to kind of catch everybody up who hasn't been hanging out with us or, you know, if you're like me and your, way, your week has just been so crazy that you have no idea what went on in the last uh, couple of days, no less the last couple of weeks. Here's what, where we're at with Jonah. Uh, the call of the Lord comes to Jonah, and um, and Jonah says no, and, and and instead of getting on a boat or you know getting on uh, up and immediately traveling to Nineveh, Jonah goes in the opposite direction, pays his fare, gets on a boat headed for Tarshish. It's a much sexier call than Nineveh. Nineveh are Israel's enemies. Tarshish is like on the beach out near, uh, uh, somewhere on the coast of Spain. It just sounds fabulous. As a matter of fact, I think, you know, just looking outside right now, um, Tarshish sounds fabulous. It sounds nice and warm and appealing. And um, it just sounds like an exotic destination, whereas Nineveh, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. These are people who um, tortured. That's what they were known for. 
They were proud of their torture for the places that they conquered. And, um, and the Ninevites had done a lot of awful, awful things to God's people, the Israelites. And so it's not a, it's not a great surprise that, um, that when Jonah hears this call, he says no. Heads in the opposite direction, and maybe you you know know about this. I mean, Jonah his story is is pretty epic. I mean, it's influenced everything from uh, Pinocchio to um, you know to to Hemingway, and 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 as you look at you know kind of like what happens with the real Jonah, uh, he really does. He gets on a ship, and he is so comfortable with his disobedience to God that he just goes down into the boat and takes a little nap, and. Um, storm God sends a storm they throw him overboard God saves Jonah from uh, drowning uh, by uh, by getting swallowed by a fish and then in the belly of the fish Jonah prays and last week we talked a little bit about Jonah's prayer that's recorded in chapter 2 of Jonah and and then at the end of chapter 2 this is exactly what it says and the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. And that's where we catch up with Jonah today. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can check out Jonah chapter 3, starting in verse 1, reading in Jesus' name, because it's God's word, not mine. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it uh, the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least, The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes, and he issued a proclamation and published um, through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let them all call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from his the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said that he would do to them. And he did not do it. Huron's reading of God's word. God comes knocking again. The book of Jonah records this unmistakable vision of our compassionate God who is loving and forgiving and comes back to Jonah again to use Jonah as his mouthpiece of law and gospel, uh, mostly law, and it's law against an evil people. Uh, There's no mention of forgiveness in these opening verses, uh, but um, if you look at it, you hear the forgiveness of God towards Jonah. Jonah 
gets another chance. God once again comes to Jonah and calls him and says, I want to use you to speak the word to this great city. And um, it's encouraging to me. I love this God of second chances, third chances, four chances. I love this God who is compassionate. I love this God who sends ordinary people, even rebellious people like me, on his mission to share his message of salvation with people who need to hear it. I guess it's because like every time I take a look at the book of Jonah, I see me. And as I see me, I also get to see a forgiving God who calls rebellious people, prophets, pastors to over and over and over again share his message of salvation. And I'm blessed that I get to do that. The call, arise and go. This is a really interesting wording. The command from God is not a request. It is a, it, it, in its fullest meaning, it means go immediately or go now. And so this is not like a temporary thing. And I, and then, and then a big, huge turn for Jonah. Instead of going in the opposite direction, Jonah obeys. Jonah goes to Nineveh immediately. It says that he, so Jonah arose and he went immediately to Nineveh, uh, you know, according to what God said to him. And that's pretty encouraging to me. Uh, I, you know, as we compare the first things to this, uh, the first call to the second call, uh, a couple of things that I notice. One is that God has his eye on his children, even his evil children. And the second is that, um, while he called out Nineveh's wickedness in the first time that he called Jonah, there's no mention of that wickedness in this second call. God still calls him to go to Nineveh. He hasn't changed the destination and the people haven't changed. And yet what we see is we see that God is seeing them and God has his eye on them. And, uh, and it says that God, that Nineveh was a great city. If you look in, uh, let's see, I think it's verse three. If you translate the, the Hebrew, literally, it says Nineveh was a great city to God. So as God looks at this big city full of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, He has his eye on them. They're important to him. Not only is this city huge, and not only do they think that they're great, but they're great to God. They're important to God. And I think that that's huge because uh, we don't always realize how important others are to God. That God is watching over people, whether they are, um, whether they see themselves as uh, as evil or as good, whether they see themselves as being God's people or they don't yet understand themselves as being God's people. God has His eye on His people, no matter who they are, and and so he, you know, while we look at this this term, it's it's just worth noting that in Nineveh is important to God. And, uh, and its greatness is expressed in this really strange phrase, uh, three days in breadth. 
So um, as as archaeologists have have you know discovered the city of Nineveh. Um, they have uh, you know, they did an archaeological dig and they discovered a seven and a half mile radius wall going around like the urban center proper and then outside of that wall would have been you know like urban sprawl um, and so there's a couple of different ways to look at this one is that this would be like a really really big city that would take three days for you to walk entirely around. Or another way to look at it is that it would take three days for you to visit this city, to really get to know it, um, you know, and to, to speak at each and every, um, like, civic center in the area. And take, it would take three days. Um, and so we see that this, guy, this city of Nineveh is big. It is huge. There's a ton of people. And it's important to God. And so that's, what we, uh, that's where we catch up with, with Jonah. And on his first day, he preaches for one day. And Jonah began to go into the city and going in. He says, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. It is the shortest sermon ever. Not a lot of gospel there. All law. Jonah shows up in Nineveh and says, 40 days, 40 days in this city is going to be overthrown by God. And that's it. I'm not sure. Maybe, I, you know, I'm a, uh, most of my sermons in that are in that 25 to 30 minute range. Um, I know that I've been at churches that, that asked me, hey, we'd like a little bit longer. Other churches have said, hey, you know, um, let, let, you know let's, let's, you know, go, stick with it a little bit shorter, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, this is kind of like the normal, you know, range for me. Uh, apparently, Jonah is a very brief preacher. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he has no desire for this city to be saved or for these people to be saved. And so he goes and he proclaims the message in obedience, exactly the message that, that God told him to share. 40 days and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. And wouldn't you know it, they believed God. The people of Nineveh believed God. Now, I want to point out something to you. They believed God. Not Jonah. It doesn't say anywhere in the text that, oh, they said, oh, Jonah, you're what a great preacher you are. You did a fabulous job. I am totally convinced. No, 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 no. There's no mention in there that they believed Jonah or that they even regarded Jonah. They believed God. When Jonah spoke God's message, they believed God. And it impacted them from, from the least of them to the greatest. I mean, we get to see that right there, the people immediately start repenting. They, um, they take off their clothes. They put on sackcloth, which is like this rough, like this rough clothing, um, that's uncomfortable. And it's, and, and, you know, and it's the stuff that you would make like potato sacks out of and stuff like that. Um, and so the, and this is not their fancy clothes. This is not their nice clothes. This is the worst stuff that they have. And it's, terrible and then the the you know that not only are they dressing themselves in sackcloth but they're fasting they're not eating they're not drinking all they're doing is begging god 
crying out to God, please don't destroy us. Please don't destroy us. The news gets all the way up to the king. And then it's almost like we enter into the king of Assyria, who's known to be a terrorist, violent, awfully wicked. And it's like we enter into his throne room and we get this little scene in which we hear that he arose from his throne. He got up immediately. Same exact words that were used for, for, uh, for Jonah getting up immediately after the God's second call. He got up immediately, got off of his throne, left that seat of power, took off his robes, and he too, the king, put on sackcloth, sat in ashes, not on a throne, in ashes, as if to look forward to this is the possibility of the destruction of me and my city and my people. He sat there and he sent out a decree to the entire city telling everyone, everyone in the city, everyone must take their clothes off and put on sackcloth. Everyone must fast. No food, no water. Everyone must cry out to the Lord, including the animals, as if like the animals, you can't make animals repent. But once you start withholding food and water from animals, they start to make some noise. And sure enough, the cry and the moan and the bleeding of the of the animals will join with that of the people to cry out to the Lord to for, for rescue. And at the end of the statement from the king, it says, who knows? God may turn and relent to turn from his fierce anger. And maybe we won't perish. Who knows? The people of Nineveh believed God, repented. The king told them to turn now, it's not just about the outward signs of, uh, of fasting and, and sackcloth and sitting in ash. It's also a heart turn. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. They know. They know that they're evil. They know that they're wicked. They know that what they've done was wrong, violent. And so from the least all the way to the king, the king orders every human person and every animal to cry out to God because who knows? Maybe God won't. Maybe God won't destroy us. Maybe God will have mercy on us. That's hope. They believed in God. They hoped in God. They didn't know. They just hoped. Often our times, often our problem is that we don't think we're all that bad. We don't think we're evil. We look at our hands and we're like, ah, yeah, when was the last time I did something really violent? You know, we look at our hearts and we say, ah, you know, okay. 
I mean, I'm, I don't obey God all the time, but I, I don't know that we want to call me evil or, or I don't know that anybody would call me wicked. I was leading a Bible study some time ago and we were going through uh, Romans and I was quoting Romans 23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, uh, and I quoted Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil all the time. And, uh, and a woman interrupted the Bible study and said, oh, wow, wow, wow. I mean, we're not that bad. I'm like, well, no, it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah, but the word evil, wicked, come on. I mean, we're not that bad. And I think for a lot of us, we would kind of agree with this lady. I mean, we'd look at our lives and maybe even compare ourselves to others. Even if we were to compare ourselves to the Ninevites, we might look and say, oh, man, we're really not that bad. But the Ninevites, they knew. They knew they were evil. They knew that they had done wrong. They knew that they had violence in their hands. And so they repented. Who knows? Maybe God will change his mind. And when God, verse 10, verse, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he didn't do it. When God saw what they did, interesting, he doesn't point out the clothes that they were wearing. He the sackcloth and stuff like that. He doesn't point out that, you know, well, the king is sitting in ashes. He got off his throne and, you know, and stuff like that. No. What God saw is when he saw their hearts, when he saw how they turned from their evil way, God relented. God changed his plan God relented of the disaster that he had planned to do to them, that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. And maybe you're saying, wait, what? God? God can't change his mind. Remember, he's unchanging. He's always the same. Uh, God can't do that. And yes, actually, God can. God can change his mind. Here's a little quote for you from uh, James Bruckner. He wrote a commentary on the book of Jonah. He said, The enduring truth demonstrated in Jonah 3 is that compassion is the primary attribute of God. When it comes to justice, God is willing to sacrifice his reputation for strict constancy. He would rather be known as a God who forgives sin and is just. And this is precisely what Jonah rails against in Jonah 4.2. We'll get to Jonah 4 next week. But as we live in Jonah 3 this week, we get to see a compassionate God. A God who wants to be known as compassionate, as loving, as forgiving, and just. And so when people repent... 
God relents. God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. God saw what they did and he changed his plan. You see, God never really wanted to destroy them in the first place. God wanted them to be saved. God wanted them to turn from their wickedness, but God never really wanted to destroy them in the first place. And so changing his mind wasn't really God changing because God is always loving and compassionate. God is always gracious and merciful. God is always those things. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, First of all, then, I urge that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. It's God's desire that all people would be saved. That's why God sent the church to share his message of salvation. I got to tell you, Jonah chapter 3 is has been read every year on the Day of Atonement as the Jewish people celebrate Yom Kippur. As they can, the entire nation of, uh, of Israel, it's gathered together for confession, to spend an entire 24 hours in prayer and confession and repentance. They read Jonah. Yeah, it's not even their own people who are repenting, but this has been the truest example of repentance in the, in the scriptures. And so as we hear the message of Jonah chapter 3, it's an opportunity for us to hear God's law. It's for an opportunity for us to realize whether we like it or not, we've done evil. We've done wicked. Our hands have violence on them. Our minds, our hearts. And maybe it's not all the things that we've done. Maybe it's just some of the things that we've said in our head or or the thir- the violent thoughts that have you know rolled through there or even some of the words that we've said God is gracious and compassionate and he wants to forgive us and he wants to remove our sin from us as far as the east is from the west and that's the opportunity as we hear the the, the message of Jonah God's message May we too be like the Ninevites, that as we hear it, that we would believe God. Not just believe Jonah, but believe God. And trust. They hoped in salvation, but we can trust in salvation because of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who offered himself as a a ransom for everyone as a payment for sins. And this is the stuff that sets us free to pray for everyone, to share the message of salvation with everyone. This is God's mission heart, his missionary heart that he wants everyone to see, everyone to hear that that he loves them, that he's compassionate, that he's not just waiting to like crush people for their sins and destroy cities. He doesn't want to destroy 
He wants to save and forgive. He wants to see the repentance. Today, as we hear God's word, my, my hope, my prayer, is that we would confess that we've done wrong. Instead of making excuses and saying we're not that bad, let's just come to God and say, God, forgive us. And know that we have been forgiven, not because of what we've done, not because we confess so good, but because of what Christ has done for us, that he paid the ransom. Let's pray together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I can't thank you enough for sending your Son to be our Savior. Each of us has gone our own way. All of us have sinned and fallen short of your glory. We all do what we want. I look at Jonah. We look at Jonah and we see ourselves. We're rebellious. We do what we want to do. We go where we want to go. And we thank you, Lord, for saving us. Sometimes it takes a storm. Sometimes it takes a fish. Sometimes it takes fish vomit. I'm thank you, thankful to you, Lord, that you use us over and over and over again. Even rebellious people like us, you continue to come back to us and call us, just like you did with Jonah. Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you for sending your son to be our savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus for loving us so much that you would die for us on a cross to ransom us. We confess to you that we have sinned against you in our thoughts and in the things that we've said and the things that we've done. We were wrong. We repent. And we thank you for forgiveness. Not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done for us. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen. If you're hearing the message of salvation today and, and, and you've got questions or anything like that, don't hesitate. Hop on to uh, wordoflifemn.com. If you go to our, our staff page, um, don't, don't hesitate. Just hit, hit the, you can send me an email or Nick an email or Sue. Um, you know, you can send a general email to the church and we would be happy to pray with you. Uh, if you're looking for somebody just to have a little more contact with, uh, don't hesitate. You know, reach out and we'd love to. To talk to you about Jesus and what he's done for you and um, and, and, and just this great forgiveness that uh, that the Lord offers. He doesn't want to crush us. He wants to forgive us. Um, if you got any questions about that, just don't hesitate. Reach out. I'd love to talk to you. Receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May he look right at you and give you his peace. Amen? Go in peace. Thanks for joining with us, worshiping with us online. And uh, it's a privilege to get to serve, serve you know, Word of Life and uh, share the God's message with you. Have a great day, and uh, we'll see you soon.